You're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. Never give up. Never surrender. Cinematic Leap. Hi and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon style process to select our next movie. Each week we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director or crew member from this week's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Whoever wrote this episode should die! <laughs> and Glenn Greening. You stole all my best lines. You cut me out of episode two entirely. <laughs> you stole my line then too, but that's all right. Hard to back up. <laughs> I don't ask what you oh, want. Oh, that's worked out beautifully, boys. Uh, funny. Gentlemen, how are we? Yeah, good. Pretty good. A little sad, Michael? It's been a weekend. Your, your last of your, your three run, movie run? Uh, look, I, I got to watch Galaxy Quest, which um, I'm pretty stoked about. And unlike many other films that I, you know, when we do this, I watched it twice in a row. Oh, so, yeah, no, it's um, not sad. Joy, I'm I'm glad we get to like you know cover it as part of the cinematic leap. I'm glad we get to talk about it. Um, and you know I'll watch it again. But you know there, there's other films out there. So no, I'm I'm, I'm feeling good. Yeah. Feeling Very good. Good. Glenn, how are you? I'm okay. <laughs> Your commander is on deck. <laughs> Uh, very good obviously we are going to be discussing the film galaxy quest uh this week which is a 1999 science fiction comedy it was directed by dean parasot and stars tim allen sigourney weaver and alan rickman co-stars tony shalhoub sam rockwell daryl mitchell enrico colantoni and robin Sachs. uh had a budget of 45 million made 90.7 million so did obviously doubled its money so did well uh, Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes has an average rating for the critics of 90%. Audience score is 79%. With the critic consensus saying intelligent and humorous satire with an excellent cast. No previous Trekkie knowledge needed to enjoy this one. Uh, Metacritic, uh, critic score 70 out of 100. Audience score 8.1. And IMDb has an average rating of 7.4 out of 10. Um, critics, uh, the New York Times, Lawrence Van Gelder called it an amiable comedy that simultaneously managed to spoof these popular futuristic space adventures and replicate the very elements that have made them so durable. Uh, Roger Ebert, writing in the Chicago Sun-Times, praised the ability of the film to uh, spoof the, Ill- the illogic of the TV show. Uh, Amy, Amy Torben of Village Voice offered a lukewarm review, noting that many 8 to 11-year-olds in the audience seem completely enthralled. <laughs> um, now, I was also having a look at Wikipedia. They also had, we had got some reaction from Star Trek actors. So Patrick Stewart mm-hmm. had said, I had originally not wanted to see Galaxy Quest because I heard it was making fun of Star Trek. And then Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes rang me up and said, you must not miss this movie. Uh, see it on Saturday night in a full theatre. And he did. And of course, I found it was brilliant. Brilliant. No one laughed longer or louder in the cinema than I did. But the idea that the ship was saved and all the heroes 
in the movie were saved simply by the fact that there were fans who did understand the scientific principles of which the ship worked. It was absolutely wonderful. It was both fun, uh, sorry, it was both funny and also touching in that it paid tribute to, tribute to the dedication of these fans. Um, William Shatner, I thought it was very funny. I thought the audience that they portrayed was totally real, but the actors that they were pretending to be were totally unrecognisable. Certainly I don't know what Tim Allen was doing. He seemed to be the head of a group of actors <laughs> and for the life of me I was trying to understand who he was intimidating, uh, imitating. The only one I recognised was the girl playing Nichelle Nichols. Um, it's it's funny. I think it's probably a, a bit of tongue-in-cheek. George Takai. I think it's chillingly realistic documentary and he starts laughing apparently. Uh, the details <laughs> in it. I recognise every one of them. It is a powerful piece of documentary filmmaking and I do believe that when we get kidnapped by aliens, it's going to be genuine star, true Star Trek fans who will save the day. I was rolling in the aisles and Star Tim Allen had that Shatner-esque swagger down pat and I roared when the shirt came <laughs> off and co-star Sigourney Weaver rolls her eyes and says, there goes that shirt again. How often did we hear that on set? So, yes, very much so. And apparently Will Wheaton loved it. He wanted mm. to actually uh, – he was – annoyed that he wasn't cast as one of the fanboys screaming at the actor who played the kid. So, yeah, yep. they have obviously all Star the, Trek. A lot of the people are famous for Star Trek seem to enjoy the film. Which yeah, is cool. all those people. So uh, Patrick Stewart probably the, the most, you know, as, as an actor, but, you know, Jonathan Frakes has directed a number of um, of the Star Trek films as well as, like, you know, uh, a number of the, you know, Star Trek series across most of them. Like, you know, he's done uh, Next Gen, he's done... Some of the recent discovery, some of the strange new world stuff recently, and as well as Lower Decks, which is a hilarious kind of and another kind of parody um, animated TV show that is hilarious. So and kind of is in a similar vein as Galaxy Quest. So you know if you haven't kind of checked out Lower the Decks, Star Trek fans, go check it out because it's it's awesome. I, you know, I must say, going into this, I did wonder whether I would have had to have you know been in the Star Trek world to under to fully understand it. Um, but I didn't find that, which I thought was I thought that no. well. I was talking to my, my sister-in-law Kate, who kind of said, like, you know, you know, she's kind of in a similar sort of boat, like, you know, doesn't have that kind of trick back, uh, background, but she loved the film, like, you know, she'd kind of it was easy to get into, and a lot of that is because you you take in through pop culture stuff, like, you know, ideas around um, like Star Trek, even though you haven't watched them, like, you know, through like memes mm. and like you know piss takes and like all those kind of comedy video stuff. So a lot of that is out there, and you know, it's the intellectual property Star Trek, you know, it's been around since the 60s, like, so it's hard not to absorb in one way and or another. It's probably easy to, as a non-Star Trek fan, to to get involved in the, what is a gentle mocking in some ways of Star Trek fans, I guess, in mm. some ways. Oh, I love it. Like, this, you know, it's, um, this is a bit of trivia later, it's actually kind of voted as the, um, the, seventh, uh, the seventh best Star Trek film. Yeah. So... Like Trek fans like consider it a Trek film like that because it cause it is in that sort of whole genre and the whole thing they love it so hmm. yeah um, so Michael you chose David Newman obviously to get to this which I'm I sure did. you chose him just purely to get to this film uh, why did you well I mean he's actually why did you make us watch Galaxy Quest um, well I think it's going to be hard to actually get you guys to watch a Star Trek film. Um, and there are some Ripper Star Trek films out there. I'd love to actually see us one day maybe get to Star Trek First Contact, which is probably one you of do the best. It's, it's actually seen. not hard to make us watch a Star Trek movie. You just have to choose one. I know, I know. Yeah, but I want to, I wanna, it, you know. So. Yeah. Um, but I think this, this film holds a special place in the sense that um, it's funny and warm and like got a really great message behind it. And... 
I think the you know I'm I go to all like you know a lot of the Australian not well the Melbourne sort of uh, you know Comic Con and and Supernova and it's interesting to see all the fans out there. I'm not I'm not a cosplayer. I'm not a kind of I'm not an Uber fan, um, but I recognise those people. Like you know, I see that, like those people that are at the convention stuff. I recognise that, um, and it's it's awesome that and like that's kind of that was recognising it from the late nineties that this kind of atmosphere exists and it's still going. Like you know, um, Comic Con in San Diego, it's huge, it's a massive mm. event. Like these things, nerds are going to inherit the earth. Like um, you know, they are. <laughs> You know, we get more and more of these cool TV shows now, and people love them. Um, you know, I think, you know, at some stage in the future, we're actually going to refer to, like, you know, sports fans as sports nerds, because it's like, you know, oh, you know, you know all your stats and that kind of thing. Um, and it won't be so... It's not, It's becoming to a, a time where it's not so weird to be a nerd or a fan or into something that you really love. And I think Galaxy Quest really represents this, and to have the opportunity to do it, I thought, yeah, this one. I thought it might be a nice way to get to for you to get to a movie too. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Michael. Glenn, what were your thoughts when Michael chose this? Oh, I wasn't very excited at all, and I I think <laughs> I might have, I've never seen it, and I know Michael's into sci-fi, and yeah, this this movie, um, I didn't know anything about it really, to be honest, and um, but everyone I asked about it, like even my wife Anna, I said I've got to watch this movie. I'm not really excited, and she's like wait, isn't that supposed to be really funny? <laughs> and um, I was like, I don't know. And she's like, I'm pretty sure I've seen it and it's quite funny. And I was like, oh, I don't know. So, yeah, I, I didn't really know what to think, but I was a bit more open-minded after I spoke to a few people about it. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I, look, I, when when Michael chose it, I, I was like, ah, oh, because I thought he might have given me a couple of other movies where I thought I could have got a couple of good leapers out of. And I'd sort of, <laughs> I thought I knew where he was going to go. And when he chose this, I was like, oh, another one of these bloody space movies. Which I don't mind some of them, but I, I, but then like I'd, I have heard that this was like you'd heard Glenn that it was quite funny. I've heard it from other podcasts and other people, so I thought, well, look, I'll, I'll go in with an open mind. We'll give it a go. So yeah, thought, and you well, can get to Harry Potter from here. Absolutely, no, it's probably time I see it, isn't it? Really, <laughs> uh, do the I, next six between us. <laughs> Jesus God! <laughs> um, all right, Michael. Without further ado, throw to the trailer. In the far reaches of the galaxy, a civilization is under siege. We are all that is left. They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. You will save us. What they got. Never give up and never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. You are our last hope. Where's my limo? Okie dokie. And they're about to put on a command performance. Eight million light years away. We are actors, not astronauts. You are our protectors. That was a hell of a thing. Now. Laredo, take us out. Get a move to the right. Would you sit your ass down? You want to drive this to... Acting like heroes. <laughs> the whole thing was just a misunderstanding. May not be enough. 
like little children. Hi, little guy. I'm done. DreamWorks Pictures presents Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Galaxy Quest. You're just gonna have to kill it. We'll go for the mouth, the throat, his vulnerable spots. It's a rock, it doesn't have any vulnerable spots. Ah, very good. Uh, all right, Michael. Uh, well, it is time for our synopsis, which Michael will do shortly. Uh, obviously, there will be spoilers. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't seen this film, uh, pause the pod, go away, watch the film, come back. It's yeah, it's not too badly paced uh, and not too badly timed. So and then come back and listen to our scintillating pod. Michael, over to you for the last time, a synopsis, last time in season three, you get to kick back and yeah. relax from here on in. I just want to make a note about the trailer. It was actually... Um you know, like you talked about how it doubled its money, so it made it all right. Um, the actual, like there was commentary around how the trailer didn't sell it right. Like, you know, it actually kind of didn't, you know, it came out as a, as a goofball kind of like, you know, um, comedy, which it isn't. Like, you know, it's kind of much more heartwarming. So, yeah, that was kind of, um, it probably did it a disservice, I think, the, the marketing, which often happens with a lot mm. of films. Mm. Okie dokie. The cast of the 1980s space adventure series Galaxy Quest attend fan conventions and make trivial promotional appearances. Uh, though the, the series' former star, Jason Nesmith, thrives on the attention, his co-stars Gwen, Alexander, Fred and Tommy resent him and the states of their careers. At a convention, uh, Jason is approached by Thermians, who request his help. He thinks they want him for a promotional appearance and agrees. Um... Admits his part uh, during, like you know, as he goes to the toilet, um, he does overhear, uh, like you know, sort of. Well, basically, people calling him a loser. That yeah, he's got no, not know, just got no nice. real career, and he doesn't understand it just by two young kids in the toilet. Yeah, which apparently is based on a, a real thing that happened to William Shatner yeah. in 1990. Yeah. Um, so then he gets a bit, you know, uh, stroppy and cracks at some fans, and then. Uh, the next morning, um, uh, the Thermians, like, you know, approach and they want to pick him up. Jason is hungover and does not grasp that the Thermians are aliens and that he has been, you know, um, he is, they are going to transport him to a working recreation of the NECA Protector, the starship from Galaxy Quest. Believing he is on a set and must perform in character, Jason confronts the Thermians, although it's not even in character really. Um, Thermians' enemy, the Warlord Saris, who demands the Omega-13 device. Is a super secret, uh, secret super weapon mentioned in the show's finale, which has never been used and whose capabilities are unknown. Given perfunctory orders, Jason manages to temporarily defeat Saris and then heads back to Earth. Um, and it's at this point Jason realizes that the experience was real, uh, as he kind of gets flung back to the um, the planet through space. Uh, he attempts to convince the others. Uh, other cast members, but is rebuffed. Um, and then they, like, you know, then he one goes off. Um, the car, the rest of the cast kind of go, oh, like he's, he's drunk again. Um, and, uh, oh, what's Fred? Fred goes, well, we probably should have just taken the gig. And again, you're not talking about that? Yes, he probably was. And so they all chase after him. Uh, then the Thermian Lilari appears and requests Jason's help again. Oh, okay, the cast think about it. Uh, join him, including the MC Guy, who's played an ill-fated red shirt in only one episode. All right, do you guys get that, like the red shirt reference? I don't understand the red shirt reference, but... He wore, he wore a shirt um, and red. They, so Does that mean in, you got to die? In Star Trek, 
Yeah, in, it's famous in Star Trek, like particularly original series, that if you wear a red shirt, uh, you're basically going to be sacrificed. There's only one person wearing a red shirt who never kind of died in that episode, and that was Scotty. Um, he wore a red shirt, but it was usually fine. But yeah, the the red shirt idea was like you know yeah you you, you appeared on as an extra on on set in a red shirt, or you had lines, and you were likely to kind of die. So it's a reference to that kind of that idea that. Um, Guy is an expendable crew member, so that's why he's kind of you know I'm gonna die. Just for that, obviously this is this is a podcast, so it's it's a non-visual um, thing. But Glenn's <laughs> actually pointing out the fact that he is wearing a red shirt, so it's okay, Glenn. You're not expendable. Uh, you're not our Scotty. I'm yeah. our Scotty, but you are you aren't ex, you aren't expendable. So it's okay. Yeah. Um, aboard the Protector. Um, uh, they learn that the Thermians, who possess no concept of fiction, believe episodes of Galaxy Quest are true historical documents. Inspired by the crew's adventures, they have based their society on the virtues espoused by the show and have you know, generated technology from mm. the TV show as well, um, like spaceships and spa ports and the Omega-13. Um, Saris returns and attacks the Protector again, and the ship barely escapes through a magnetic minefield. However, the ship's power source, a beryllium sphere, is severely damaged. The humans travel to the surface of a nearby planet for a new sphere, uh, which they snatch from the ferocious, childlike aliens. This is, I mean, this is a big chunk here, because, like, you know, uh, um... What's his face? Uh, Jason Nesmith is stuck, left down on the planet, loses his shirt, um, and fights rock, Gragnock. The rock monster thing. Yeah. The rock monster, but like the, the thing. Um, and then the, the rock monster, uh, in which they then teleport him back up to the ship uh, in a very kind of experimental technology. Um, and then they find out that Saris has returned and attacked the. I don't know. Um, that Saris has seized the ship, demanding the Omega 13. Jason confesses to uh, Malthazar that he is not an actual commander and shows him the Galaxy Quest historical do- uh, documents. Understand they are just actors. Saris forces uh, Jason to explain the disillusion of Thermia leader, Malthazar, that acting and fiction are forms of deception, a f- concept foreign to the Thermians. Saris activates the Protector's self-destruct mechanism and returns to his ship, leaving the Thermians and the cast members to die. The humans formulate a plan to abort the self-destruct and defeat Saris's remaining troops on the ship. Uh, Jason communicates with Branding. Oh, it glosses over that. It's a beautiful plan. Um, Jason communicates with Brandon, a Galaxy Quest super fan on Earth, and his network of friends with intimate knowledge of the show. They talk Jason through and Gwen through the ship's core and help them abort the self-destruct sequence. Meanwhile, Alexander leads the Thermians against Saris's forces and take back control of the Protector. With new confidence, the crew challenges uh, Saris and draws his ship into the magnetic minefield. This time, the Protector drags the magnetic mines into Saris's vessel, destroying it. Any thoughts? I, I You've did. gone very quickly through this. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Oh, it's, it's, it's a very short news, plot. Quick synopsis. <laughs> yeah, I, I did enjoy, and I think it does. This is probably one thing that it does really well. Um, I think uh, Patrick Stewart made it as part of his comments. Is you know I probably see it more from the Star Wars references. I'm a, I do like Star Wars. I'm not a huge super fan or anything, but mm. I do like the movies and I've watched a few of the shows. But I reckon that there would be fans out there that would have a greater understanding of the Star Wars world than any of the people that's ever acted in it. And I think this is where this mm. ties into that these people are super fans that they love the show that they're they're so invested mm. into it. Whereas the the to the actors it's a job. Whereas for these people the the fans it is yeah. 
part of their life. And I think the way they, they tied this... that in and then used them as the way to save it, I thought was really well done. And there's so many, there's so many of those kind of, they really exist. Like, um, I even remember being in a, um, in a panel talk, like, you know, I think it was like, you know, one of the actors from, uh, Black Sails or something like that. Um, or it might've been, oh, the hundred. It's the same guy yeah. actually. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and someone was asking about the 100 and like, you know, some sort of sh- show trivia and they kind of like, you know, um, they generally bring it back to, you know, yeah, the writers are really clever and like, you know, they, they pull that lot of stuff because they don't, they don't know their, you know, they, they act in it and they kind of, they may watch it, but they're not, you know, analyzing mm. it and trying to, you know, pull apart the things, um, whereas fans are like, you know, you're super fans, they're, they're the best. Um, and it, it's weird because I find it both adorable and a little bit annoying at the same time because I'm, I'm probably a little bit more interested in, like, you know, their craft and, like, you know, how do you go about pulling that scene together mm. and, you know, the technical aspects behind it. Um, but, yeah, I kind of – I never really kind of look for that, but it's adorable at the same time. Um, okay. Uh, so, um, having defeated Saris, uh the Protector approaches Earth to bring the humans home, but Saris, bum bum bum, who escapes his ship's destruction, ambushes them on the bridge, fatally wounds several crew members, and then Jason manages to activate the Omega-13, which creates a 13-second time warp to the past, giving Jason and Mathazar a chance to disarm Saris before he repeats his attack. And then we're close to the end. I mean, there's a whole section in the middle. That's right. Wikipedia. You're letting us down. Um... The Protector's Bridge separates from the main vessel to land the humans on Earth, while the main section of the ship carries the Thermians into interstellar space. Guided by Brandon and his friends acting as beacons, the Protector Bridge crashes into the Galaxy Quest convention, coming to a stop on the main stage. Well, I mean, really into the main stage is probably how that... (laughs) Um, The day's cast cast members emerge into the wild roaring of their fans, but Saris appears... Uh, to them again, Jason shoots and destroys him, and the crowd assumes it was all a display of special effects. The cast barks in the uh, adoration of Brand- Brandon and his pals and their fans. Sometime later, Galaxy Quest is revived as a se- uh, sequel series. Galaxy Quest The Journey continues, with the cast reprising their roles alongside Guy, Lilari, and its new cast members. The end. Hmm. Or is it? Well, I think it is. They, they did say it did leave it open for a sequel. But obviously, with Alan Rickman's death, mm. I think they've said that yeah. there won't be. I think there's still been some talks as near as last year, I think, where they're kind of talking about a, a sequel, like a sequel series. Yeah. So, yeah, who knows? You can only speculate mm. until it comes yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. I think Tim Allen is quoted mm. as saying that they wouldn't do it without Rickman, but whether they don't do it as a movie and do mm. it as an actual series where you don't need the mm. original cast back, they may do it that way. So who knows? Yeah. All right, on to our categories, cast and characters. So we'll start with Tim Allen, who played Jason Nesmith. What are our thoughts? Mm. He's very good. Um, it's funny, I watched, uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Honest Trailers, um, but, it, you know, it's usually a parody kind of thing that sort of takes pokes fun at films, and this one it does actually. It, it, it is more like the Galaxy Quest itself, so it laughs along with it as well. Um you know, and actually kind of describes, you know, he's the, this could be one of Tim Allen's, you know, only sort of sort of appearance of acting, whereas, you know, he's actually, wow, he's actually acting. Um, whereas, like, you know, a lot of the times he's just playing himself. But, yeah. Um, 
No, it's mm. funny. Like, you know. And- I actually quite liked Tim Allen. I've, I was always a big fan of Home Improvement. Um, obviously, I really enjoyed the Toy Story movies. Um, I've seen him in a couple of the TV shows he's done since. They're sort of very similar to Home Improvement. But I, I don't know. I've always enjoyed him. I think he's a, he's a pretty good actor. And, yeah, I really enjoyed him mm. in this. I thought he, he lampooned, uh, lampooned it well. Like he... Yep. Um, you know, there, there's a joke behind this, a running joke behind this all, and I thought he played up to it perfectly. So um, he was yep. very engaging. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Enjoyed him. Mm. Yeah, I thought he was good too. He didn't have to – I mean, it's a role that you don't have to – you know, there's not too much you have to do really. You just have to play the role. There's not too much emotion or, you know, real acting really. It's just having a bit of fun. And I think he does. He does it well. He's funny, and I love the Santa yeah. Claus movies. Um, and he, yeah. he, play, he he plays to his strengths, um, and he does he does it well. And yeah, he was fun to watch. He wasn't too. Sometimes the thing that annoys me with Tim Allen is sometimes he does that Home Alone, not Home Alone, Home Improvement thing a bit too much, where he does that manly the grunt and the whole yeah all that stuff which wasn't in this which was nice but uh, yeah it was good he toned it down he toned himself down a little bit if anything for this and um i thought he was good Mm. yeah yeah Mm. well said uh sigourney weaver who played gwen demarco it's interesting here like she plays against type in a lot of ways oh yeah she's Um, she's not that she's not the damsel in distress but she's the one that's like in space and doesn't seem to do anything Whereas, you know, she's usually, yeah, she's usually the, t- quite tough. You know? She's a, a tough, yeah. you know, hero, and in this, she's more of a secondary character yeah. to Tim Allen. Yeah, yeah, like she usually plays a lot of characters that have got you know agency mm. or they're you know they're ass kickers mm-hmm. or um, you know funny or even like you know there's like you've got your Ghostbusters where she's the impartial the damsel, but she kind of you know throws back at. Um, Pete Venkman, but yeah, she kind of does have this, you know, odd role, and you know, as a an actress playing an actress who's playing a, a character, like you know, it's kind of that's kind of very meta, but it's mm. funny. Um, and and I, I love her line. It's like you know, look, I've got one damn role on this ship, and by God, I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's a great line. Yeah, she's, yeah. and it's funny because she's <laughs> the complete opposite to Ripley when you think out of Aliens. When yeah, you think about it. Mm. So, um, and my God, she looked good in this. My God, I don't. We don't want to overly sexualize women or anything on these po- on this podcast, but holy crap, geez, you just <laughs> yeah. yeah, indeed. We'll get to that, and I guess also kind of possibly um, there's paralleling like you know the um, Jason Nesmith losing his shirt, but also that you know um, sci-fi shows kind of like you know adding in that sometimes. Um, there's you know uh, I'm not sure if you guys have watched Voyager, um, no. but one of the characters there is a you know she's a Borg. Um, and she's in it like this kind of just tight as um, lycra soup, you know, you know it's, it's a bit mm. sexy. Um, yeah, so like, you know, it's something that is in like, you know, these stubs, you know, styles of show. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Alan Rickman, who played Alexander Dane. God, he was good. You guys talk more. Oh, I, I, <laughs> he's just, there's something about him. He's just got gravitas, hasn't he? Yeah, that's always just his yeah. line delivery. It's it's just the way he is on in a, screen. In a, in a way, he feels a bit out of place in this movie because he's such a serious actor. He's so good and it, he's just really, I guess, when he has a role, he just commits 100%. You know, he's just fully mm. into it. But he's in this 
crazy movie mm. with these crazy things happening and it's all silly but he's so he's just so good he's just so good it somehow it somehow <laughs> yeah. works and works really well but i think even his comedic moments he does he delivers like mm. he does it really well it's funny there's a there's a documentary um called never give up never surrender and it's like you know it's recentish and i think it might be post might be post um alan's death or maybe it's kind of you know um sorry yeah um kind of recent i don't know um and it looks at the the, the phenomenon of this galaxy quest and it kind of it examines those relationships on there and it, it talks about um rickman they, they all talked about um alan rickman being he's funny and he's warm i, I wonder if he's like you know and you, you get a sense of that from this film um was it is this before dogma or after dogma around the same time hmm yeah, because like I think that's the thing. Like you know, we have seen him prior to this, and it's before Harry Potter. Um, like he is serious. Like you know, there are you know we've seen him in Die Hard, whereas you know, um, but yeah, like you know, in these you know Dogma and this film, he exercises some comedy chops. Yeah. I think that's this is where I first kind of really encounter him. You know, this and probably Die Hard, but I didn't see him much before then. So yeah, yep, probably because he was in those sense and sensibil- sensibility yeah, films. That's right. <laughs> um. I'll throw it open. There's a there's a few that we could probably oh, talk Nalth- about. Nalthazar, whatever his name is. Enrico Colantoni. Just just staying mm. in character that whole time with that voice and the action and just the way all all of those alien type people they did it so well. I thought just it, the way. Oh yeah. yeah, it would have been hard because they the were theories. very stiff. Like they didn't mm. move normally, so I think that would be quite a challenge mm. as an actor because you probably do want to try and use your body to act. I assume I'm not an actor. Yes, you're right. I think yeah. so. Yeah. So, and for them, Absolutely. the way they were so stiff and and couldn't really use their their body, I guess, to help them in some ways. Well, maybe it does help them in the fact that they are reserved. But yeah, I thought he, I agree, Glenn. I thought he was excellent. He was great. Mm. Yeah, I think you could actually point to quite a few of those guys as well. Like you know, they're all in character and they're all kind of you know um, embodying that physically, but also like that kind of difference in cadence and like you know the, like the way they perform and the way they kind of emphasize words innocence um the the voices were annoying me after a while but yeah i'll be your lover um and the facial features too like you know the kind of like um the guy that played teb jed rees um he's got this goofy grin on his face most of the time um that's a rip alliance too like you know and then it exploded um and yeah and they're they're like they've got this they've got smiles they're all kind of they're like fake they, forced smiles because they're not human. They're not normally human, so they're yeah. just putting them on because it's they know is not threatening, I mm. guess. So well, they're all they, fake smiles. Yeah. yeah, it's probably what they saw in the show that everyone was always, you know, smiling and happy and all that. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. So. Sam Rockwell, he he's become a favourite of of cinematic leap. I don't think he's overtaking yeah, Nick Cage, but he's certainly, I think, a favourite of ours. And like in this, in, and I think in the other movies that we've seen him in, I, he's just really good. He is really good. Um, yeah, and, like, you know, I think he's, you do see a real difference in the characters that he yeah. performs. Well, that's um, the thing. If you reference it back to good. what we're talking about, Tim Allen, and like Glenn did praise Tim Allen for playing it out of character. But Tim Allen predominantly does play the same character. Let's be honest. And even in mm. this, there were there were patches of where he was, who he normally is. Tim Allen, yeah. But Sam Rockwell is so different in just about everything he does, and I think that's mm. a, a real credit to him. Like, and he does some really different roles. So yeah, I'm actually I'm really he's um 
probably by the time this pod comes out, Argyle will mm. be out. I'm looking forward to seeing him in that. So, um, yeah. be fun. Uh, anyone else? Just Justin oh, Long. Tony Shalob. Ooh. Ooh. We'll do with Justin Long first and then All go right, to Tony. We'll, we'll close it out with Tony Shalhoub. All right, Justin Long. Ooh. He really embodies dude there, doesn't he? Wow. I mean, he, he fits when you think back to Die Hard 4 and then you look at this, you go, there's not that much of a stretch between those two characters. <laughs> That's probably where he ends up. Well, that's true, but I mean, like you know, we don't I mean we don't know how what he's like. No, really. he does. Um, but he's got that geeky, nerdy sort of sense about him. Like he's not physically well, imposing acting. or anything like that. Like he's got. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. Physicality. Way about him to is think, that oh, you know that that fits to type. So yeah. yeah, I remember seeing him in. I think it's Zach and Mary make a porno, and um, you know, hilarious film. Um, and he's kind of actually a professional actor. I think it's that film, and. Um, and it's it's not him, but yeah. So he's got some, he's got some, it, it, and that's a very comedic character because it's like you know, this, you know, rich guy is kind of, you know, definitely into a weird scene. Um, but yeah, like and but you know, seeing you know, nerd Justin Long, um, hacker Justin Long, and then like you know, sort of that one Justin Long is very yeah. different. Glenn, your thoughts on Justin Long? Um. I think this was his first movie, and I was just mentioning him because you said that Sam Rockwell was one of our favourites, and Justin Long is also becoming one of our favourites, I think. He's been in quite a few that we've done, hasn't he? Oh, I don't know. Tell me I more. Know he's, well, he's in Die Hard 4. <sighs> I thought he was. I thought there's been a couple of times where I've almost slept with him but haven't. Anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look him up on the He thing. was fine anyway. <laughs> hmm. Oh, the, that earnest kind of nerd, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Like, you know, that kind of, um, it, it was, just, yeah, I, yeah, I love it. It sort of just fit him, didn't it? Hmm. Um, and I think, like, you know, the, the you know, the, you know, had that anxiousness and, like, that kind of nervous, uh, you know, nervousness around, like, you know, your hero. Um, and, you know, the, the poor guy got burnt by his hero twice. Um, but then when uh, Nesbeth comes through and says it's all real, it's like, I knew it. I was like, oh, it's a beautiful moment. So, yeah. All um, right, we'll close it out with Tony Shaloub. Shaloub? Shaloub? Tony Shaloub. Fred Kwan. Fred Kwan. What do you think, Glenn? Oh, he was funny. I've never really watched him much before. Um, but he was very, yeah, he was an interesting character. He was kind of quiet and shy and uh, in the background a lot. But he was, yeah, fun. And funny. Mm. Yeah, he was good. Um, he sort of, I guess, ran it out um, the team really well. Um, yeah, he had some good funny moments and delivered each time. So I thought, yeah, he, did, he was quite good. I thought he did well. Except for the, yeah. we had this romantic interest, which I thought was a bit weird because she's not actually human. She's this weird. That's what's funny yeah, about but it. I think that happens in Star Trek, doesn't it, Michael? It does, huh. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, it's a common common trope where, like, you know, one of the um, it's generally William Shatner's character, um, James Kirk in um, original series, uh, would often have flings with aliens. They all look like humans, of mm. course, um, or you know, with different makeup on. And um, it was the period there. It was um, uh, what was it? Jonathan Frakes says William Riker. Like, you know, there was a period where he was single and he kind of started hooking up with various islands, but got back with his, his true love, Deanna Troy. Not that you guys care about no. that stuff, but yeah. 
But yeah, it's definitely a thing that happens in in Trek and and various other stuff. You know, like you know, science. Yeah, fiction. and he at the end of the day, he was the one that, in a lot of ways, saved the day. He was he was his idea to bring the rock creature onto the ship, which oh, I thought was a really nice yeah. scene. That was really well done. Hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, he sort of saved the day. Um, and then I I thought he might have stayed on the ship, but then they ended up coming to Earth, which I don't know if we, I don't know which way I would have preferred that. But anyway. Either or was good, I think. It keeps thinking, like, you know, maybe you'll stay because, like, you know, he's really kind of grown attached to the Lari. But, you know, then, of course, you get her coming to his mm. world. So, yeah. Um, are we going to – we're not going to talk about Robin Sachs? Uh, who played – Played Saris. Yeah, go for your love. Mm, the villain. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of menace with that villain, which is kind of nice. Yeah, he was a legitimate bad guy. Hmm. Um. And I don't know what he actually sounds like. It'd be interesting to actually kind of hear him. But uh, you know, some really cool vocal mm. effect over it. But you know, he has to kind of bring a lot to that. And he certainly came across um, not only as evil, but as rather intelligent too. Mm. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought it was a really oh. good character. Good adversary. Well, actually, I have heard this guy. He's um, yeah, he's got. He did a video game called Mass Effect Three. Um, actually, probably Mass Effect Two, and he like you know does this other void. Other voice that's kind of like very gruff. He's yeah, he's very good. So got a lot of presence, which is great. Um, favorite scene. <laughs> I'll leave you to last, Michael. Obviously, I might go first. Yeah. Um, look, there was a few scenes that I enjoyed, but I think my favorite, and it it reminded me in some ways of the hand slapping scene in a million ways to die in the West in the way it worked. In that, it's the launch scene when they obviously they join the aliens and the commander tells Tommy to take it out and off they go and he's, he's doing well at the start and they start creeping towards, you know, the side and it starts scraping against the edge. And it's, the sound of the scraping goes a lot longer than in some ways it probably should have, but I think it actually made it even funnier. Like that you just hear this and it goes for quite a while and I just it just really made me laugh. I just enjoyed that. And then mm. obviously they do get out. and um, But, yeah, I just thought that was really well done. Yep. Glenn? What are you, Glenn? Yeah, I, I was watching this waiting for a favourite scene to come up all the way through and I was just like, I don't, I don't, nothing really stood out as a favourite to me. So I Googled, at the end, I Googled best scenes from Galaxy Quest to just sort of figure out what my favourite might be. And um, and what come up is apparently the best part of this movie is the first one hour and 42 minutes. Um, so <laughs> Isn't that the whole movie, Glenn? Well, that's what it said on <laughs> on the internet but um i then I've, I've got a note though that he is probably similar to scott when they all first come onto the ship and you know the controllers are all set as they in they're saying drive the ship and it works as you as it did in the show and um all that and and also the scene where they're talking to the bad guy and he's like you have 10 seconds and he's like what 10 seconds it, which is ridiculous mm-hmm. like 10 seconds <laughs> And then yep. he's like saying, "Cut the feed," and then he's saying, "Don't worry, we're going to do this and that." And then it's not cut. And yeah, that was that was a good scene too. Yep, I think that scene's a classic too. That kind of idea is like, you know, yeah, just cut the transmission. We're gonna, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll sneak and plan. Like it happens in so many. Like you know, they you know, they shut down whoever's talking, come with a plan. It's like, oh, we're back. Um, and the fact that it doesn't happen, as only God. Michael. Well. Uh, the first one hour, 42 minutes are definitely the best scenes. <laughs> um, I think there's there's some really nice ones. There's um, 
I think the first one I want to talk about is uh, like you know we have um, uh, Alexander's arc, you know, where he's kind of a he's an actor that hates that he is known for Galaxy Quest, um, and he hates that line by Grabthaz Hammer, etc., mm. etc. Et um, and then he gets to know these kind of Thermians, and right at the end, and he you know and meets Quillick, and right at the end, Quillick is hurt and shot, um, and. And he delivers the line, and it's not kind of like you know grandiose, but it's like this tender moment. Um, and then he goes on a, a rampage, like you know, it's like like a killing rampage. It's beautiful. Um, I love that. I love that moment. Um, the I think the first time, I, you know, like um, Jason Nedved, Tim Allen, is like you know he's just blown through you know the protector, and it's like yeah, 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 and they they put him in this room. And then, hey, where's my limo? And they, like, you know, suddenly a light shines on him. And that was a really, that was a nicely, easily effect. And you kind of, they raise him up and um, they put him in a pod and then they open the doors and there's this kind of star field with this planet out there. And it's going, there's like a W2F moment. And then it, they put him through a black hole. Um, and then it, a match cuts out of the black hole, you know, sort of pulls out from his eye. And that was kind of like, you know, and he's just there shivering. I like, you know, I love that moment. Um, the... The whole sequence on the planet with the like the kid like creatures because you know it's funny like um watching that scene uh, reminded me of in the recent Doctor Who kind of special the Christmas special where um, there's a Neil Patrick Harris thing and so a lot of oh, actually no there's the first episode and they there's this cute creature um, and um, suddenly and like you know it goes through it and it goes through all the sort of the TV show until halfway they it was revealed that this cute creature is actually like a killing machine um, and is like an evil incarnate kind of thing and it's just a it's a common trope um, and uh, Star Trek Lower Decks did it recently with the um, the moop or something like that um, where it kind of is this adorable thing and then it, it bites you and then sucks just sucks you dry hilarious so you know those kind of little creatures turning into like you know cannibal eating things are great um and of course you know uh, the rock sequence so i mean there's mm. so much so many good scenes in this film i love it i could go on and i will no, <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> uh all right notable aspects or other enjoyable moments gwen um for me the space the bad guy spaceship look really good and also the makeup of all the aliens just um they mm. looked really really nice like really I guess realistic and good, like I guess compared to the Star Wars movies that were coming out around this time, I thought this looked probably a lot better. Um, yeah, just the the characters, especially of the of the aliens. Yep, that's my most and the little aliens, the little funny aliens as well. They all looked yeah really good. Yep. It's interesting on that point when there's a, this blend of like you know you're. The Saris base aliens, they're kind of obviously costumes and, you know, in scene real like makeup effects um, uh, versus the kind of the cute um, cannibal aliens um, and the rock, which are kind of these mm. CGI ones. And you can tell they are, but they, they still kind of looks cute and looks all right. And it's not kind of. They held up pretty well. You know, I mean, this is. Yeah. yeah. Not, well, it's 99, I guess, but. That's yeah, 99. They, they held up pretty yeah. well. Mm, indeed. Um, I thought though when they did the liquid over the actors, so they could either you know, go into the ship or out of the ship. I thought that looked pretty well. I thought that looked pretty good. Um, it's a phenomenal cast. Like we'll talk about mm. Enrico uh, Costellani. Um, 
even him, like I've seen him in a lot of movies. There are a lot of people that I've seen in other films um, and I go, oh, I like him, I like him. And yeah, just a really good cast and I thought they all performed their, their, their jobs really well. Um, some great mm. visual gags throughout this film. I mean, there's some good writing as well, but I think some of the visual stuff was, was done really well. Um, we talked about Sigourney Weaver. I'll say her again. Man, she looked phenomenal in this. She really did. Um, I did note that this is really just a space version of The Three Amigos. I was thinking that. Yeah. And it, it doesn't quite night. hit the height <laughs> of The Three Amigos, so not much does, but um, it really oh, did. I was sitting there watching it and going, I swear I've seen this movie before in some way, shape or form. And then I'm going, <laughs> oh, it's The Three Amigos. It's exactly what it is. So, mm. but um, yep. yeah, yep. that's about I didn't have anything else. <laughs> Michael? Um, I mentioned the match cut before with a black hole, and I thought, like, I do love a match cut. Like, and, you know, Serenity last week had that, and, and like, you know, Galaxy Quest has the same thing with the, the black hole in the eye. Um, the writing in this is superb. Like, there, there's a real kind of um, homage to the material that it's parodying. Like, you know, it's not done with malice or kind of, um, you know, like this kind of mean heart. It's actually done with love. And that really comes through the, the whole movie, which is fantastic. Um, you, you know, you're not wrong, so with the phenomenal cast, I think that's you know it's great. And I think like you know Alan Rickman does bring a lot to it, and but it's the there's the dynamics here that kind of really kind of play off, and you really get to see it like that. You know, one of the last shots we see of them, and they're all kind of on the stage, and it's like you know like you'd hope that was done at the end because it they felt like a good camaraderie mm. there. Um, I thought like you know I love the spaceships. They did look they did look um, really cool. Yeah, uh, there's a an iconic scene that I mean the that kind of spaceship reveal is actually kind of um, also pays homage to like uh, I think the original the motion picture Star Trek the motion picture where you see like that kind of spaceship reveal kind of thing except it in the original motion picture it goes for like ten minutes of just this going around a spaceship but um different times uh, but this was done you know nice and tastefully and it was good um, what else was I thinking there was a Another one that I loved. Um, I think the score. The score is great. Like it really kind of like it. It, it, it links up to kind of that sort of um, that orchestry brassiness of like Star Trek. Like you know, it's very close to sort of some ideas around like the next generation, which kind of has that. There was um, one moment which it, it sort of felt like a like the Jurassic Park moment, just the way the music rose, mm. and I think you looked out into space, or you looked out onto, onto the spaceship. I can't remember the exact moment, but. And I just got oh, mm. geez, that's well done. Like a really, it really yeah. sort of, ooh, sort of, you know how sometimes a score really does prick your interest and, and sort of lifts you a little bit. That's what I felt. Like I thought, oh wow, this is this is really well done. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I think it's it's not just it's well done. I think it matches the genre mm. that it's kind of linked to. Um. And I think that's what's clever about that. And this film has just got lots of different clever parts into it. So like you know, then it, um, the fact that it brings in like the fans as part of the kind of the actual homage mm. is like, you know, I think it's well done. So, yeah, yeah. there's more. There could easily be more. You know, we'll, keep, we'll keep moving the key bits. Questions, yeah. queries, tidbits. Um, I only had one question and that was obviously I'm assuming that the show doesn't go into doesn't. I know the fans obviously understand it. They look at behind it into the lore of it all. I'm assuming the show doesn't go into exactly how these ships are, are built. So I'm I'm curious as to how the aliens are actually able to watch the show and build all this technology. When I'm assuming the show doesn't go well, into the whole technology behind it. 
Um, I mean, in terms of the, it's actually it's interesting you say that, Scott. Um, in terms of what they probably saw, no, but they could have figured it out, I guess. And that's why you get the scene with the chompers, which is hilarious because they've taken, oh, the chompers yeah. are on this ship. They must. <laughs> oh, I should put that there as one of my favourite scenes because that <laughs> did make me laugh. Why, yeah. why would we even have this here? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you noticed, but like, you know, and maybe consider re going over. If you actually kind of watch um, when uh, Sigourney Weaver is saying that line, it says, like, well, screw that. It's actually, she actually says, well, fuck that. Ah. But they redub it later. So there's actually, you can see that, that she's not saying screw. I mean, unless you kind of really, you know about it beforehand, you're not really picking that up. Just sort of certainly, I know about it now. It's like, Oh, apparently it's a bit more kind of um, sweary originally than it was for, like, you know, um, to get, but they kind of cut it back for their PG-13 yeah. rating. Um, but the other part of that, Scott, is that they do, like, people do kind of map out all the stuff, um, you know, they go to weird places with, like, you know, drawing mm. schematics for it. So there are kind of, you know, books that kind of like, you know, yeah, the, here is the the plans for you know starships. Like it's there. Well, it's I out there. I, I remember hearing like when Minecraft was really big um, a few quite a few years ago, and that there were people that actually they built a life size version of the Death Star within yeah. Minecraft. Yep. And like with and inside was as it was to scale and as it was in the films. So yeah, I guess these people do genuinely look into this sort of stuff. Glenn. Yep. Questions, um, tidbits. Hmm. Uh, there was a question when the bad guy is uh, looking at the good guys and he says, fire at Will. And I'm like, who the hell is Will? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Classic Lynn. um, And also that was very stupid when they just go out onto the, this unknown planet and open, open to the atmosphere, not knowing if there's air or not. It was very silly. Uh, but they they make that a they make that the joke though. Yes, but they could have died. They could have died. Being guy, you know, rightfully points out. Um, <laughs> driving the ship out when he's scraping against the side. I watched this a couple of times because I thought you would tell me I'm wrong. But th- how is it scraping against the side when there's a whole wing coming yeah, out the I, side? I, I, yeah, right, I did likely. notice that as and well. And there's but. not there's not a gap. There's not a thing that the wing sits underneath thing or anything. It's not there. I checked it. It's just that's weird. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's I, a I thought the they've same fudged that for the joke. Yeah, they've definitely fudged that for the joke. I think because <laughs> yeah, you see it like scraping along, and it's the nose right against the kind of the wall, and then the next shot as it comes free, and like you know then it's popped out, and then there's yeah, the wing which comes, comes out way, it's like <laughs> way wider. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. So, um, and yeah. my last one is that crash at the end. Many people would have died. Many, many yep. people would have died in that, and they oh, yeah. just no one cares. <laughs> They're just cheering and carrying on. <laughs> right. There's, there's a few things with that, like you know, because you you think like you know, yeah, this spaceship lands and like they finish their convention, um, but they must have like you know, if they go, no, nah, this is ours, and then the government just goes, but this is an advanced spaceship with all this kind of wacky technology on it. How much do you want for it? It's like yeah. Five billion. They fund their own, but they fund their own series. That's how it comes back up. <laughs> Probably is actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, NASA and that would have been all yeah. over it. Yeah, like a, I don't know, just that would have been all over it. Uh, Michael, questions, queries, tidbits. 
Um, well, I mean, I guess I, like, could, you know, put it out that, like, you know, what happens to that spaceship afterwards? Mm. Um, you know, uh, don't know. Um, but otherwise, you know, I, nah, I get this film. I understand all the premise and, and that sort of stuff with it. And, you know, I mean, apart from what Glenn has already pointed out with the, that kind of the nose cone and the, the mm. wing, it's like, yep. Uh, Michael, over to you for <laughs> trivia. Trivia. Surely, is it is okay. there, is there trivia, really? <laughs> There's so much trivia, Glenn. Um, the scene when Tim Allen in a men's room overhearing the men's room overhearing how the cast of Galaxy Quest of Nobodies and All Co-Stars can't stand him mirrors an actual event in William Shatner's life. He discovered the exact same things about himself when he attended a 1986 convention. Although, yeah, you wouldn't have that in a modern day. Most people go there; they're pretty cool. Um, well, nerds, but cool. Um, Tim Allen admitted he was quite starstruck when he met Sigourney Weaver, as a, he's a huge fan of Alien. Allen even got uh, Weaver to sign some of his Alien memorabilia between takes. She ultimately did, writing a stolen by Tim Allen at Love Sigourney Weaver, uh, which which he said made him very upset. <laughs> Harsh. Uh, the casting director loved Enrico Colatoni's audition so much that she broke protocol and showed this to other actors to demonstrate how the Thurman should behave. <laughs> there you go. And I think I have seen that, like, you know, a lot of it's based on, on the stuff, the ideas he came up with. Um, this film was one of the earliest to have its own domain name and website, galaxyquest.com, now available only via Wayback Archive. However, mm. rather than being polished a polished uh, part of the film's marketing campaign, the site, in keeping with the film's fan theme, was deliberately designed to look like a fan page with screen captures and poor HTML coding. Hmm. Genius. Ah, <laughs> uh, here's one for you. Sam Rockwell based his portrayal on Bill Paxton's performance in James Cameron's classic Aliens. Game over, man, game over. Uh, in that in particular, his elevated fear of being killed and his mental collapse upon seeing a motion detector that shows their enemy closing in on them. It's well done. Um, uh, although Alan Rickman hated sci-fi as a genre, he could not resist taking part in this film as he found the material very funny. Um, oh, Gwen DeMarco laments that her TV Guide interview was six paragraphs of my boobs and how they fit into my suit. This actually happened to Jerry Ryan, who played Seven of Nine on Star Trek Voyager. And that's later. Oh, no, it's at the same time. That's around the same time. Yeah. Um, the director, uh, Dean Parasot, and star Tim Allen have revealed in interviews that the original tone of the film was much darker and more scenes of violence. After test screenings, the film was recut to emphasise the comedy and obtain a PG rating. Oh, jeez, I'd love to see mm, that dark. Interesting. Um, uh, the film proved quite popular with Star Trek fans at the 2013 Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. It received enough support in the Star Trek film ranking and was included with the 12 Star Trek films that had been released at the time on the voting ballot. Fans at the convention ranked at number seven. Uh, Alexander Dane, I love this piece, this thing too, never removes his headpiece throughout the entire film, even when he and Gwen DeMarco is speaking on the phone, um, by, you know, uh, to each other by phone, home phone. What's, what should yeah. be like that? <laughs> um, the NECA protected serial number is NTE3120. NTE stands for not the enterprise. Mm. Um, 
during the fight with the rock monster, Commander Taggart loses his shirt. This is a clear nod to Star Trek uh, 1966 main hero Captain Kirk, who lost his shirt in one episode. Um, Lilari is the first main role uh, Missy Pyle landed in a feature film. Her role was expanded after the producer noticed Sigourney Weaver was the only female character, female main character, mm. which is fair. Um, couple more. Two more. Uh, Tim Allen performs several classic James Kirk mannerisms throughout the course of the film, most notably the classic thinking position while seated in his command chair on the bridge. And Sigourney Weaver said that whenever she put on the blonde wig to become Gwen DeMarco, I could feel my IQ drop drop precipitously. <laughs> <laughs> mm. oh, that was Rain, Rain Wilson's debut cinematic appearance too. Yes. All right. Very good. Thank you, Michael. All right. Time for our no final problem. thoughts and rating. Obviously, we do rate out of 10. 10 being a fantastic film, 0 being a terrible film, and 5 being somewhere in between. Michael, as always, I'll leave you to laugh because you did choose this film. Uh, Glenn, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Uh, I'll go. All right. Oh, you go. You go. All right. Um, look, I found it funny. I probably didn't get all the maybe the, the trekky part of the gags, but I thought – I got. I felt you know it was a really funny film. I thought the writing was really well done. Um, as I said before, I thought the visual gags were really well done. Um, it was just an entertaining film. So I've given this a seven. Nice, Mister Seven strikes yes. again. <laughs> but he hasn't struck for a while. So no, I'm happy it's been with that. a while. <laughs> Although my season average as of right now is a seven. That might cross the whole season, ironically. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have got to do my three yet, so it's going to drop. <laughs> Um, You'll be surprised. Really? Um, I uh, thought this was a bit far-fetched. I was happy that at least we weren't forced to watch a Star Trek movie. Um, This felt like a less good Three Amigos, which Scott mentioned. Um, It was was okay. It was fine. And um, I thought it... Calling it a comedy, there was a whole. There were a lot of sequences or long stretches where there were no jokes that I noticed anyway, or wasn't that funny. But had a couple of good moments. Um, I would give this six point two five out of ten. No worries, Michael. I guess I'll take over to you. (laughs) I think this film is hilarious. I think it plays homage to, like you know. uh, to a beloved, you know, sci-fi series Star Trek, and like you know, it's even you know in some ways kind of gone on to inspire the Orville, and I suppose in some ways the Lower Decks. Um, uh, it's got a great message, like and like they keep repeating this idea of never give up, never surrender, and I think that's fantastic. Like you know, it's a you know, if I was to have a motto, that would be one of them. Um, and like you know, the the story behind it is just funny and heartwarming. Um, and like, I think this will always be a fail. This is what I keep coming back to. This is a 10 for me. So unsurprisingly, I guess, given it's part of my, my trilogy, but, um, yeah, a 10. 10. Yeah. Wow. All right. So we there's 6.25 from Glenn, a seven from myself and a 10 from Michael. That gives us a total score of 23.25, which puts that in it's high. The number three position. It is knocked off Ready Player One and the Dish for the number three wow. spot. 
Uh, he's just behind Get Out on 25.5. And as I've said, it has just taken over from Ready Play One in the dish on 23 to moving to the number three position. Jurassic Park is still our top rated movie of the series thus far at 26.5 with six underground trailing uh, in hmm. the, yeah, down low. In the tail. 1.25. <laughs> that is low. <laughs> we gave it up. We didn't give it favourable reviews, Michael, and then Glenn gave it a zero, which was a little ridiculous. But anyway. Yeah. Mm. More than it deserves. Uh, all right, over to socials. Obviously, we can be found on Twitter, at Cinematic Leap is our handle there, or X as it's now known. Uh, and obviously on Facebook, just search for Cinematic Leap. We can be found where all good or bad podcasts can be found. Uh, but we do recommend that if you do want to listen to us, you can go to our fantastic website, cinematicleap.com. It's got all the scores, a little bit about us, all the details, all the movies that we've done, um, shows for the last three seasons. You can listen to the episodes directly from there, and we do ask that you rate and review us on your podcast network uh, and share us. Tell us, tell your friends. Get it out there because we would like to continue to help grow our supporter base. Definitely. All right, Michael. It's now time for our cinematic loop. Oh, is that the rap version? <laughs> um, all right, so Michael, you're done. You are done for season three. I am. Season three? Yeah, season yep. three. You are done. You can sit back, relax. No more synopsis. Yep. No more choosing leapers. No more choosing movies. Yep. You can just But relax. I can influence, you know? Yeah, do you this. Can. That's hard. That doesn't work in this. No, so it comes over to me. It comes over to me for my next three movies. And what a great cast you've got to pick from, isn't it? You know, I've set you up really. It is a fantastic cast to choose from. I mean, you know, the great man Alan Rickman. Now, I've said from the start there are three films that I wanted to get to: Godfather, Godfather, Jaws, Die Hard. We've only done one of those so far. Yep. And each each season, I've probably tried to stuff up my, my three and I haven't been able to get to my favourite uh-huh, movies. Uh-huh. Right. I, I, think should, I did get I to George. I did get to George. I think you repeat the tradition here, Scotty. Don't go, don't go where we expect you to go. Go somewhere new. Harry Potter. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell, well, we all know it's not Harry Potter. All right. So, but we did talk about the cast and Deborah Zane is a fantastic casting agent. <laughs> and one what? movie that she cast is Cocaine Bear. <laughs> no. Which is a film that I no, love. No, really? You're going to yes, walk we're past going Alan, to Cocaine Rick- Bear Alan Rickman is right there. Go I to know, Michael, you've set me up. <laughs> but guess what? We can still get, oh we can still get wherever we want. I can still get wherever no, I want. No Jesus. preamble, just straight to it. It's like, All right, so we're going to Cocaine Bear. Get God yourselves damn. ready. It's on Netflix, people. It is a wonderful ride, and you're going to enjoy it. It's got the great man Ray Liotta in it. Um, <laughs> How are you going to get out yeah. of that? Where are you going to go to Michael. afterwards? What do you want me to do? No, oh, I mean, I suppose it's like it's Ray Liotta. It'll be Ray Liotta. Go, we can go. I could go to. I could go to Goodfellas, <sighs> which gets me to a, a fantastic movie, Michael, that you haven't seen yes, yet. This is true. So, yes, right. Anyway, so that's where we're going. Next week, we will be reviewing the film Cocaine Bear. I am really looking forward to this chat next week. I really For am. For weeks, I've been thinking, I've got Scotty set up with Die Hard. It's like, this is his moment. 
And you, you're going to regret this, Scotty G. You're going to regret this. Never. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'll get to die hard eventually. Surely, surely someone will pick it. We've still got next Christmas. I've still got, it's still in as a Christmas movie. So next week we are reviewing the film Cinem- Cocaine, uh, Bear. Cocaine Bear. Um, thank you all for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. hope you did like our review of uh, Galaxy Quest. And, uh, yeah, listen next to on and make sure you watch the film Cocaine Bear to listen to our review of Cocaine Bear. Thank you. <laughs> Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Cinematic Leap. By Grabthar's hammer. By the sons of Warvan. You shall be avenged.